the fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart radio station. I hate to read too much into crap like this, but let me tell you a couple stories that reflect the current mentality of the Penguins and Capitals. Last night after the game, Nicholas Baxter of the Caps came off the ice and threw a stick like a javelin and yelled out, F this league. I don't know why. Maybe because of the Wilson suspension. Maybe because the refs missed a too many men penalty on the Penguins and called one on the Caps. Maybe just because the Capitals lost. At any rate, Backstrom acted like a petulant child and then the Capitals tried to lie and cover up what Backstrom did. Then, of course, you got TJ Oshie leaving his skates to hit Latang and then fighting. But in the Penguins locker room, Latang said, hey, no big deal about what Oshie did. In fact, Latang called it good emotion. You could almost see the condescension drip. In fact, I think I got some on my shoes. I don't know which team is going to win this series, but I can tell you for sure which team is more likely to crack, and that's Washington. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Joining me in about 10 minutes or so is the king of old school, John Steigerwald. The Caps are using Wilson's absence as a crutch. Infamy, infamy. They've all got it in for me. Uh, the Caps are more rattled by Wilson not playing than the Penguins were about Malkin not playing in the series' first two games. I- I'm not using that to say the Penguins will definitely win the series, but I think that is definitely an arrow in the quiver of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, here- here's an update on Gensilmania here in Gensilvania. Jake and Bake, New Jake City, Gensel, Uber, Alice. Uh, Mario is still number one. Goals per game in the playoffs all time, 0.71. Mike Bossy, number two, at 0.659. Now at number three, Jake Gensel at 0.657. And I just don't know what to say about that. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was this good. I knew he could score in the playoffs. I didn't know he'd score this much in the playoffs. Or maybe I should have because he led the playoffs in goals last year with 13. He needs just three more to tie that number. Then again, you know how you lead the playoffs in goals. You win the Stanley Cup or at least get to the final. Like like if if... The Penguins don't win this round. Jake won't lead the playoffs in goals. But if the Penguins get to the final at this rate, he might like score 25 goals in the playoffs. What's the all-time record? I think Reggie Leach. We'll look that up before the next uh, break. I think Reggie Leach of the Flyers, who was this drunk guy, played drunk. I, I know he had the record for goals in a single playoff year at one point. Uh, you can tweet me at Mark Madden next. Here's a tweet from a guy who just doesn't get it. 
Charles Woodley treats. With Connor Sheary's blind turnovers and zero production, why does Sullivan keep playing him? Okay, Charles. Who would you play instead? That's always the problem. You determine who you don't like. You find a reason to not like him. In this case, a very legitimate reason to criticize Connor Sherry's play. But who's going to play in his place? Tom Kostopoulos? Let's go to Damon in Johnstown. Hey, Damon, what's the story on that dog? Morley's dog. Oh, it saved some people in the flood. That's what I hear. What's up? Hey, uh, I think uh, Phil Kessel's handicapping the power play, and uh, I think they got to get him out of there. Uh, what are your thoughts? Who would you put? Um, I don't disagree. Who would you put in his place? Well, uh, it's got to be right-handed, and I think the best person would be Roster, uh, even Schultz. Okay, Rust would not help more than Kessel. Even I Kessel, think it'd be quicker. No, you're wrong. Even Kessel playing injured or playing poorly, whatever the cause may be, at least has passing skills and understands how to execute the power play. The only guy I could, could see putting in Kessel's place would be Latang. Okay. And Latang would be just as good on zone entries. Uh, he'd be a better one-time shooter. He wouldn't be as good of a passer. i got to be honest, depending on how bad Phil's hurt, if this is because Phil's hurt, then yeah, put somebody else in the power play. But if Phil's only nicked up a bit and playing poorly, I say let Phil play his way out of it and leave him on the number one power play. Let's talk to Chris downtown. Chris, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Hi, Chris. Hey, um, your comment there about the Capitals cracking, who do you think is or should be feeling more pressure, the Pens to defend or the Capitals to, to sort of break, the, break their uh, streak with us? I think the Capitals have all the pressure as of last night. I think going back home 2-2, uh, playing a team that's eliminated you uh, each of the last two years and all three times when the teams have played during the Crosby-Ovechkin era, I think the pressure's on the Capitals. You know, I know the Penguins are trying to make history, but, brah, I mean, they've won the last two Stanley Cups. If they lose the next two games, they still have won the last two Stanley Cups. And it will be obliged for the Capitals to try to make something of winning the series. If they win the series, yeah, that'll be getting to the third round finally, eliminating the yeah. Penguins finally, but they still will not have won anything. I agree. I mean, you'd hate to you hate to downplay the Penguins' drive, but at the same time, if I'm the Capitals, I'm just like, what the hell do I have to do? <laughs> I think the Penguins will win this series. I'm not sure it'll be because of that mental block, but I think that mental block on the Capitals' part will help the Penguins. I don't think the Penguins think about, oh, my God, we got to beat the Capitals. I think the Penguins think, well, let's get to the next round. I think the Capitals do think, oh, my God, we got to beat the Penguins. Why can't we? Let's go to Joe in the car. Joe, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Great. Hey, I tried to get a hold of you yesterday. I was just... Uh, I was wondering... busy. Uh, you was busy. I know. Me too, but I made time. Hey, uh, I didn't notice if you noticed in them first three games, the Penguins in front of their own net was leaving so much space. So finally yesterday they fixed it. They kind of I think they packed their defense in tighter in general, especially in the third period. Yeah, that's kind of what Washington's been doing to us. 
making it hard to score, they're backing everybody in front of that net. They did it last night. It's hard to beat us if we, if we back that in like that. Well, no, if, if the D-back's in too much and you get too crowded in front of the net, yeah, you're going to, you know, tie guys up and shots are going to be blocked, but you're also going to have run of the perimeter. You so there's, like- there's a happy medium there, and I think the Penguins found that happy medium last night because even though the Penguins did very well in front of their own net, it's not like the Capitals were cranking up shots and getting them through and getting rebounds and so forth. The Penguins struck that happy medium on defense. They, they couldn't have kept the Capitals as pressed against the boards as they did in the third period had they just packed it into the blue paint. Let's go to Ron in Penn Hills. Ron, you're on with Double M. Good night, mate. What's up? That was a great call. Let's go to Tim in Ohio. Tim, you're on with Double M. Hey, yeah, Double M. One quick question or one quick comment about the D last night. How about Reweedle's play there in the third period? I thought he had a great third period. He was brilliant. Yeah, I think just an under underrated player last night. I think he had a great game, but that play he had coming around and not getting the uh, penalty and then stripping the puck away. Oh, yeah, who, the who was that for the Capitals? Like it was like a semi breakaway. I was it a Beagle. I can't remember off. And the top he angled him off. Yeah, and it, no penalty. Got to play along the boards and got. I just no, thought, I thought that, that might have been the best hockey Ruedel's played in this playoff run. This year's playoffs was in the third period of last night's game. Up next, the king of old school. Going to talk to John Steigerwald here on 105.9 The X. This is Carl Hagelin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Double M on The X. Joining me now, he is the king of old school. It's always a pleasure to talk to the 40-year broadcasting veteran, author of two books. He is John Steigerwald. Uh, Stag, I want to go back to that hit by... Tom Wilson on Zach Aston Reese that got Wilson a three-game suspension. He could have killed Aston Reese. He got three games, which is too few in my book, and somehow he became the victim to a lot of those who cover hockey. How'd that happen? Well, I was up in Canada. I'm coming back now, and I apologize if you can hear the driving rainstorm that I'm uh, I'm pulling over in right now. Um, It's interesting. I'm watching now. Uh, I, I watched a Sportsnet. I watched TSN up there, and um, uh, it, they almost—it seemed like the commentators up there were begrudgingly even like talking about. It. They couldn't believe that they had to address something so stupid that this guy would be suspended for that. Now maybe it's my bias as I'm watching it, thinking, just assuming that they're going to take that attitude. But that's that's the impression I got from watching them that. They were actually like they couldn't believe that we're even talking about that hit. It was just a, a clean hockey hit. So that's where that mentality comes from. I can't explain it, but that's the way it is. And, you know, I don't know if they'd have been saying the same thing if a player they had actually heard of, you know, had gotten hit and, and broken his jaw and gotten a concussion like, say, Sidney Crosby or uh, Evgeny Malkin. But, you know, they don't care about the kid who got hit. And so uh, they just it's, they, they look at it like, well, what's wrong with that? That's hockey. And I, Mike, I think, Mark, I, you guys have been talking about this. You've been talking about this today uh, and about how the, the Capitals seem to be taking it really hard and taking it personally that, that uh, Wilson's been taken away from him. I think that, it, it, that that's a sign of how important they think he is to their team. Now, you, you said it, and it's pretty obvious. He's not, it's not like he's a, you know, a, a goal-scoring machine. They, they are upset that they don't have their headhunter. 
They're upset that they have to play this series without the guy who might knock somebody out of the game for him, like he's done twice. He knocked Dumoulin out, and he came back, and he, and he knocked Aston Reese out. Uh, so um, I, I think that I think it, it to me it speaks to how they value him and that they like the fact that that's what he does. And they, they can say all they want that they think it's clean and it was a, a good hit, but I don't think anybody really believes that. Here's what's going to suck, Stag. The series will go seven games, and Wilson will return for game seven at D.C. like a conquering hero. It'll be like the Roman Coliseum. Yeah, it could possibly happen. Um, but, you know, I'm one of these people who think that when it in a series like this, when it gets to a game seven, it's no longer a home ice advantage for the home team. I, I, and, of course, home ice has meant nothing in, throughout the entire playoffs, but for any, any team or any series. But uh, I just think that, especially the team, a team like the Capitals, uh, any bit of adversity early in the game changes whatever home ice advantage they might have had to a total disadvantage. And, the, you know, the, the energy goes out of the building. The, the the sense of dread and here we go again drips down onto the bench and just and that just drip it it pours down on their bench and covers them up so I I don't I don't think if it gets to a seven anybody's gonna have an advantage and I don't think he's gonna make much he's, it's hard to believe that he would do something stupid enough in a game seven that could cost his team the game what's your take on TJ Oshie trying to hit Matang high last night? That looked like a guy who doesn't know how to hurt people trying to do it anyway. Well, um, it's interesting. I was talking to my brother Paul the other day and uh, about the uh, the hit, the, the Wilson hit, and he said uh, he said the guy should do what Alfie used to talk about. Alf Samuelson. Alf Samuelson used to say, "Make them eat the stick." When you see the guy coming, instead of bracing yourself and and you know sort of hunching over or uh, crouching down and trying to you know accept the, the blow. He said, just stand up and stick your stick out in his face and let him eat, knock his teeth out with a stick. That's what, that's what you need to do when you see a guy coming at you like that and going to leave your feet. That sounds like a smart move for me. I don't understand. First of all, here, here's, what, here's my, uh, my solution for that kind of stuff, what the NHL will, should do, which they'll never do, but this is what I think they should do. If you, there should be a, in a, in a, in a playoff series, if you catch a guy doing that in the last 30 seconds or minute of a game that's obviously out of, out of reach and the losing team, uh, somebody on the losing team takes a ridiculous shot like that, he should serve the penalty in the first period of the next game. And that, and if it's, you know, pick a time. In the last two minutes, uh, last minute, uh, the, referee could, the referees could, could alert the teams and say, okay, listen, anything I see happen now that I think is out of line it's going to carry over to the next game. So if you want to pull something, you're going to start the next game with the opposing team on a power play. That's That would end that stuff. They'll never do that. We're talking to John Steigerwald. He's brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing, caught on a name you can trust. Uh, the Penguins just played D in the third period. They packed it in. They forced the Capitals against the boards. Only three shots allowed. Sometimes you've got to do that, I guess. And uh, that was a marvelous sacrifice of ego to get a much-needed win, wasn't it? I think what it was, Mark, was the switch again. You know, people we talked about, can they turn the switch on all during the regular season? Are they going to be able to turn the switch on for the playoffs? I think when you see a team do that, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a indication or, or, or example or it, it shows their experience is what I'm trying to say. It's, um, 
you, they they've been there before, and they you know they've won two cups in a row. It's fresh in their mind. A lot of the same people are on the team, and they know that they know what stages of the game uh, how they work, and they know what what happens now. Okay, we're up two to one. We're in the third period. This is where we shut it down, and they've done it before. And so they just they, they flipped the switch, and that's who they became. They became a defensive team. I don't think I don't think that happens if they hadn't won the last two cups. I think that's that's where the where the the positive of having been there recently twice comes into play. Uh, Mike Sullivan, the coach, he benched Phil Kessel for the last seven minutes. That's the right move, but a lot of coaches wouldn't bench that guy. Same with Broussard. He only played nine minutes at even strength. He was the big trade deadline get. Sullivan doesn't care who you are. He just cares who's playing well. Uh, that's a that's pretty much a common theme with every great coach and every coach who wins a lot. They that's a team sport and nobody gets nobody's feelings matter. What what matters is what's going to give the team his best chance to win. I have a theory too about about why you would play Kessel, and and to me it tells you you know that all the stupidity that they that they go through in the NHL with the upper body lower body injury none of which you can ever believe. If they tell you it's an upper, it might be a lower. Uh, the reason I think that th- this is showing you why that they do this. They they want they don't want the Capitals to know, first of all, they don't want them to know where he's injured, so they don't want to, you know, if he has an injured wrist, they don't want him smacking his wrist. But they don't want the Capitals to know what he can't do. And if you put, if you put Phil Kessel out there tomorrow night, the Capitals don't know if he's feeling 100% better than he was two nights ago. And so when he's out there, he's they have to give him space. Now, now you see, I disagree, Stag. Forgive the interruption. Yeah, but on the power play, it looks to me like they know he has a hand or a wrist injury, which is what I think, and that he can't shoot, which he can't right now. Yeah, and they, they may know that. Um, they may have known that and been correct about it last night, but what I'm saying is they don't know tomorrow night that he still has the same problem until he, they get faced with it. And, um, you know, I, I think – just having his presence out there, especially when you don't really have a a great um, alternative to him, even even him playing at seventy five percent, I think that the, it just it, it serves them to not let the Capitals know how bad he is, and maybe go into the game tomorrow night thinking he's worse than he actually is, and then have Kessel surprise him. I, I don't. It's just so obvious that he's not able to do what makes him Phil Kessel. Uh, and it's got to be a wrist or you know a shoulder or something, ribs, something. How crazy is Jake Gensel? Ten goals in ten playoff games this year, and Crosby obviously is no small part of that. No, Crosby's the biggest part of that. Uh, and and as great as he's been, uh, I was watching uh, Sportsnet last night, and, and Sidney Crosby, I believe he had no shots on goal, correct? Or did he have one? I think it was none last night. Um, Who's that, Ovechkin Douglas- or Crosby? Crosby. I don't think he had a shot on goal. I, I think he had one. Ovechkin had none. Yeah. But Crosby well, made anyway, a million plays, so what's the difference? Yeah. yeah, right. Well, after the game, everybody wanted to talk about Gensel um, uh, on the postgame. They, they carry the NBC feed for the game, and then in the in-between the in periods and postgame, they carry the Sportsnet, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're analysts. And uh, Doug McClain... They all wanted to talk about Gensel, and, and McLean just wouldn't stop talking about how ridiculous Sidney Crosby is. He was, he was, I've never seen anybody so impressed with Crosby. It's like it was the first time he saw him. I mean, it was, he just said, what about Sidney Crosby? And he said the same thing before the game. He was saying, Sidney Crosby's just absolutely unbelievable in this series. 
And when he came out of the game last night, they wanted to talk about Gensel, and he he just turned it right over to, and talked about Crosby. And so I, I that I agree. I think it's he's having a ten goals speaks for itself. But it's it's Sidney Crosby, and I everybody's trying to figure out what it is that he does to get the ten goals. I think his size actually uh, is an advantage for him because he's quick and he's he doesn't take up a lot of space. He's hard to find, and he sneaks in and out of little gaps in front of the net and gets a stick down and gets those deflections. And he's got great hands. the 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 assist he had on Crosby's goal the other night um, that was an unbelievable play. That was a highly skilled. Uh, hockey play, the pass that he made over to Crosby on that goal. He went through his own legs, then through the, I think he went through the defenseman's legs. So he's got great hands. His size, uh, he actually knows how to take advantage of his size by ducking in and out of all those big guys, and, and they, they can't find him, and all of a sudden he's, he's in a spot where he needs to be, and Crosby finds him. Uh, by the way, Crosby, no shots on goal last night, but Gensel was seven. Yeah. So I'm going to say that Crosby created maybe seven of those shots. Yeah, and I by the way, that. here just just to emphasize, and Doug McLean's a good hockey guy. I enjoy him uh, in I his media so work, and and I can't say that about many of the ex players and coaches. Yeah. But uh, but M- McLean's right. I mean, Crosby's playing so unbelievable. And here's further evidence: the Penguins have scored ten goals in this series. Crosby's been on the ice for every one. Wow! And and all of uh, I think both of the goals, Gensel and uh, Crosby, I think they're all five on five. Are they not? Uh, no, there's power play goals in there. I, I think I think I heard him say last night Crosby's were five on five. I may be wrong about that. Uh, well, no, because the Penguins the Penguins scored two power play goals last night. Like I said, Crosby is on the ice okay. for, okay. for every right. goal. Uh, hey, I, we got to talk about this before we wrap it up because it's too funny not to. Ben Roethlisberger is very obviously pissed that the Steelers drafted uh, the quarterback Mason Rudolph. He said today. Uh, on the B team, as far as I know, I'm still the starter. I told them I wanted to play three to five more years. Maybe they didn't believe me. Does this mean they screwed up the Dobbs pick? Unquote. I don't know why Ben would feel threatened by Mason Rudolph. Maybe he's just trying to be funny. And if that's the case, mission accomplished because it's hilarious. It's 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 funny, and it's also it's interesting because he seems to be he seems to be ruling out the possibility of getting hurt. You know, that might have something to do with why they drafted a quarterback. Maybe they're not. Right, because Ben at that age, no matter how good he still is, and he definitely is, he's more yeah. susceptible to injury. Yeah, and, and to think, of, what is he, 35 or 36? You know, three or four years, he's going to be 40. I know Tom Brady's doing it, but how many people, how many guys are still playing at that age, especially guys who who's, um whose success in great part is due to his ability to avoid the rush and right well Ben's thirty six and... and as much as I hate to give Todd Haley credit for anything, Arians was a better coordinator for getting results, I think, because he got better results. Yeah. But Haley was better for keeping Ben upright. I think Haley has kept Ben uh in a position where he can play a few years longer than he otherwise might have. Yeah, but you know if he if he's thirty nine years old, you know, people have seen Brady do this and they think everybody can do it. Uh, well, Drew Brees too. Old, there have been there have been other guys. Yeah, but that's old. Thirty nine, old to be playing at a high level. You can still be in the league and be a backup. And but I mean, and his his um, success used to be uh, more so than um, in the past uh, than it has been the last couple of years has been his ability to avoid the rush and, and keep the play alive and make great plays out of nothing. 
uh, as the older he gets, the less likely that is going to be, and uh, the more likely it is if he tries to do it, he's going to get killed. He's going to get hurt. And I, I so I think the Steelers, I don't, I think they'd be thrilled if he plays three or four more years. But they got a guy who they think is better than the guys they have now to back him up in case he gets hurt. Well, you know, one of the single stupidest things that people assume about the vibe on a team that the older guy's going to mentor the younger guy. Yeah, and right. paved the way for succession at that position. I think that almost never happens, whether it's hockey in, like, goal. Although Flurry did do it with Murray. Maybe hockey players really are cut out a little bit differently. Whether it's quarterback, whatever position, in whatever sport, I think the guy who's the starter is going to look out for himself as long as he can. And you know what? I don't blame him. No, I don't either. It's big money, and it's, uh, you know, your career, you only have so many years. Why would you... I mean, you want your team to win, but you want to be a part of them winning. You don't want to be on the bench, so, <laughs> so I don't blame them one bit. And it does. You're right. I, I I think people talk about it a lot about how great it is to have a mentor, but I don't think that happens very often. Staggy, great stuff. We'll see you Sunday night on Channel Eleven with the final word. Eleven thirty-five. Eleven, eleven thirty-five. Whenever. Just we tape at eight. That's all that matters to me. That and the paycheck. That's John Steigerwald. Brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Going to talk to Bob McLaughlin later this hour, and we have Vince Trocheck of the Florida Panthers, the Pittsburgh kid, Upper St. Clair. He'll join us at 530. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Well, thank you, Tanger. Last night, the Penguins went against their grain and really played defense first in the third period. The Capitals prefer to attack off the rush. In fact, that's how they score a ton of goals, especially with the Ovechkin line. The Penguins didn't let them do that. The Capitals did have the puck. They did often gain the zone. But the Penguins kept them to the outside. They sealed up the house, the area in front of the net. The Capitals only got three shots in the third period and really didn't threaten much. In fact, the Penguins had seven shots, and I would say they threatened more in the third than the Capitals did, thanks to effective counterattacking. The Penguins didn't score except on the empty net, though, because a lot of times when they counterattacked, it was the end of a shift, or quite honestly, the wrong guys were involved in the counterattack. I remember once, I think it was Hagman and Kuhnhockel. Yeah, good luck with that. Now, were you impressed with the way the Penguins played the third period? That they successfully executed a plan B? that they pinched more judiciously, they managed the puck very intelligently. It's not how they usually play, not how they like to play, but it's how they had to play. Were you impressed by that? Or do you think it was kind of, I don't want to say lucky that they won the game, or do you think they conceded too much possession? Do you think they conceded too much zone? I wouldn't say it was desperate. I'd say it was smart. But what do you think of the way the Penguins played in last night's third period, 412-333-9939. As I've been stressing all day, the Penguins have played 305 competitive hockey games. Let me say that slower so it'll sink in. The Penguins have played 305 competitive hockey games, regular season and playoff, since the 2016-17 season opened in October 2016. I really do believe they're at the point 
where they can't go a million miles per hour for 60 minutes every night. I think they have to pick their spots to protect the lead and to play good defense. And I think last night they did so very wisely. Your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. If you want to watch the game with the Super Genius tomorrow night, I'll be at Cal's Cantina in McKeesport. I love it there. They love me there. It'll be my third trip there for a viewing party this season. So please do join me at Cal's Cantina tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for a Penguins-Capitals viewing party. Should be a lot of fun. We always have a lot of fun watching the Penguin game at Cal's. Uh, We've been talking quite a bit about Jake Gensel and his 10 goals in 10 playoff games. The record for goals in a single playoff season. Ariari Curry of Edmonton in 1985 with 19 goals. Reggie Leach of the Philadelphia Flyers in 1976 with 19 goals. Reggie Leach used to play drunk all the time. True story. Not making fun. Well, okay, I guess I am making fun a little bit. uh, Reggie Leach was like a functioning alcoholic. Uh, Joe Sackick had 18 goals for Colorado in 1996. And coming up fourth on the list, Kevin Stevens of this parish with 17 goals in the 1991 playoff season. That, of course, being the Penguins' first Stanley Cup campaign. Want to get this into? I know you people hate it when I talk about soccer, which makes me want to talk about it all the more. But today I've been watching uh, an English Premier League game, Brighton Hove Albion against Manchester United. Uh, the only goal of the game so far belongs to Brighton. And it was confirmed by goal line technology. The ball went about a half a foot over the goal line in the air. But they have a system rigged up where the minute the ball crossed the goal line in its entirety, a buzzer sounded on the referees like, uh, it's like a wristwatch, but it's a stopwatch. And it has that apparatus attached. And it told him immediately and accurately it was a goal. It's never wrong. Whatever they're using, the NHL should absolutely use. Let's go to Pete in Deer Lakes. Pete, you're on with Double M. Pete, are you there? Yeah, what up, man? What up? Uh, about Truss's goalie interference challenge last night, uh, do you think that was a good idea, and do you think it killed any of the Penguins' momentum after scoring that goal, or would you rather have well, a I think I think Trotz made the challenge because he legitimately thought Hornquist interfered with Braden Holtby, but, uh, well, maybe he thought he could get the call anyway. I thought it was pretty clear that Orpik pushed Hornquist into Holtby. I don't think he did it necessarily to break the momentum. Maybe that was a, a bonus, considering they didn't get the uh, goal overturned. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it did break the momentum a little. But then again, the crowd really got behind it because that goal kept getting scored over and over again. They kept reviewing it. It kept getting confirmed every time the roar of the crowd grew louder. So I don't think it really hurt the Penguins any, no. Got it. Right. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Brett and Wexford. Brett, you're on with Double M. How's it going, Mark? Terrific. Hey, I just wanted to comment on uh, last night's game. Uh, I think last night's game was uh, pretty much the epitome of how hockey should be played without the initial hits of injury. Really? I didn't think it was a great game. I thought it was kind of a slow game uh, with both teams fatigued, especially the Penguins, and the Penguins choosing a different strategy because of that. I thought it was exciting, 
but I don't think it was wide open or or particularly skillfully played. I mean, I totally agree with you. Uh, but at the same time, even though both teams were pretty tired. I oh, no, no. It was a tolerable level of physicality except for what Oshie tried to do. And exactly. there was the cross-check by Orloff on Gensel right after he scored. But i got to be honest, that happens like, like in a given night during the regular season, that might happen after four or five goals are scored every night. You're absolutely right about that. You know, don't get me wrong. It should not happen. And Gensel almost ran right to the post. But he didn't, and Oshie didn't hurt Latang. And again, I'm seeing cracks in the Capitals because of stuff like that. I think last night when they lost after losing Wilson to suspension, I think they're really rattled right now. We will see exactly how rattled tomorrow night at D.C. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. When I come back, I'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, and we have Vince Trocek, formerly of Upper St. Clair, now with the Florida Panthers. He joins me at 530, 105.90X. This is Brian Dumoulin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. This is interesting. Brent McHenry, our good friend, formerly of ESPN, the Capitals fan. Earlier today, she tweeted that she was demoted at ESPN because, quote, I was white and I made too much, unquote. She's deleted that, but now she's getting crucified, and uh, I wish her all the best because she didn't get demoted because she was white. She got demoted because she sucks and is hard to work with. And somebody please post that on Twitter. Britt McHenry was demoted at ESPN because she sucks, she's hard to work with, and she's unprofessional. Speaking of which, Bob McLaughlin joins me now. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, up. Your take, because this is the funniest thing to happen today. Ben Roethlisberger spoke to the B team and basically complained because the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph, the quarterback from Oak State, said they must have screwed up the Dobbs pick, (laughs) wondered if he was still the starter, said they didn't believe him when he said he wanted to play for three to five more years. And I'm not saying Ben was wrong to say any of it. I'm just saying it's hilarious. Let's take um, all three quotes. Uh, the first two that he questioned, what he pretty sure he's still the starter, and the Dobbs comment, I think those were absolute jokes. I think that was Ben being very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, total tongue-in-cheek. I agree. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he likes to have some fun with the media. You see it every week on Wednesday when he meets with everyone, whether it's him not looking at you and looking at someone else while he's answering your question. Uh, maybe some people he decides to give a much shorter answer to. Uh, ben knows how to play the game. He's been doing it long enough. Um, the one about the three to five years, I don't know if he did say that to the Steelers at any point. Maybe he said three years and then he saw Matt Ryan get 30 million, a hundred million guaranteed and said, why not five years? But don't you think Ben has more money than he could ever spend and probably more than his kids could ever spend? Yeah, I think he's fine with that. Uh, You know what? You know what though? People keep score about how much money they have. I do for sure. I have less than Ben. You don't think, uh, I think he doesn't do that though. I, I, I mean, quarterbacks are like that. I can see some quarterbacks in the league. That's all they care about. I I don't He's see Ben so doing that. He's made so much so long and, and proven so much as a player. I think that money is what people like Matt Ryan, who have never won anything, keep score with. You know, but Ben Roethlisberger has two rings. I think that definitely supersedes a, a paycheck. Bob, your thoughts on the third period of last night's game, where I thought the Penguins really locked it down defensively, 
and played an incredibly smart last 20 minutes in holding the Capitals to only three shots on goal. And Ovi didn't have a shot all night yeah. long, never mind the third period. Yeah, good choice of words with locked it down. The Penguins absolutely did that. Both teams kind of locked it down throughout the games, much tighter games than, you know, the first three. Um, so, you know, good for the Penguins defense, you know, on that end because they kind of needed that. They kept the caps to a lot of perimeter stuff, and then when they did get it in, boy, they were all right there to help. Um, Chris Letang, three things that stuck out last night, Mark. Chris Letang, when he needs to get the puck out of the zone, and he is just keeping it simple um, and has some time to make the right decision, boy, he is fluid. He is great on skates, and it is not even tough for him to wheel around somebody and make sure that that puck is out of the zone. Now, I'm not saying he played a perfect game, but I don't think too many Penguins fans. Yeah, but he played a lot. He played over 24 minutes, played a ton in the third period, Bob, and I think kept it really simple as a result. And with Tanger, I think very often the simpler the better. And deserved that time last night, Mark. You're right. He needed to be out there last night in the third because he was feeling it last night, and he made great decisions, was very good with the puck. Matt Murray was very strong when he needed to be last night. Um, some talk about Murray the first three games also. Did he still have it? He had it last night. But he still couldn't hold on to the puck. It's, it's He was knocking pucks down with his glove. I thought he played very well. That's the one chink in the armor still. And you have to wonder if he's injured. Oh, I, w- I didn't get that. I didn't see, uh, I didn't think at all last night if he was injured. I don't think he is either, but why can't he catch the puck? I, it's a good question. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, as you say, a chink in the armor. Maybe that's just part of his makeup, part of his DNA. Um, he's concentrating on it the It hasn't position. been a problem until recently, Bob. Even with the glove? I mean, I, I, I remember the last couple of years where comments have come up about the glove or, you know, going no, to the no, glove No, no, they side. said the glove was weak. And I don't think the glove is weak. I just think he has trouble holding on to the puck when it's shot at his glove. No, good point. I saw some of that last night. Um, the third thing, though, is that, yeah, there's absolutely so- something going on with Phil Kessel. And proof positive of that, he got the puck twice in one power play where the Caps were giving him all, you know, they talk about time and space. They gave him all the time and space he needed. He didn't even look at the net. He looked right away for a cross-ice pass, and then he looked back to the point and got it out of there. In other games, Mark, earlier this year, there would have been a wrister. It would have been top shelf. It would have been a goal. i got to interrupt. Uh, Ed, Eddie Olchek's on NBC Sports Network oh, yeah. right now <laughs> analyzing horse racing. The Edgewood Stakes, I guess, running uh, this weekend as well as the Kentucky Derby. Maybe right now. I don't know where care. But, boy, look at Edzo, Bob. He is one happy guy talking about horse racing. To be honest, much happier than he is talking about hockey. And somebody who just went through a hell of a fight. Look how good he looks. And you're right. He is smiling ear to ear up there. He's working the monitor. He's looking good. He gave you uh, he gave you his derby pick, right? Uh, well, that was a week ago. I haven't, you know, gone to his... Uh, well, he doesn't have Twitter. I'm going to have to get a hold of one of the kids, Edzo Jr. or Tommy. But his pick was Good Magic, who goes off That's at 12 it. to 1. That's it. That's Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. In 30 seconds, we're going to talk about the scoring sensation that's sweeping the nation, number 59 of the Penguins. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.